Hello and welcome to the Duelist Community Movie Review Series, Episode 10. I am here now, and beyond that, whatever my mind thinks is happening here now, wherever it goes, whatever it comes up with in, in my imagination, it's merely hearsay, and I can definitely not confirm that any of it is reality, despite it being my perception of reality. That perception is never the reality of reality. And I think it's very important to keep that in mind. And I have a healthy respect for exactly how powerful our mind can be. I'm well aware of the fact that despite knowing that what we think isn't the truth, conceptually, it's so very easy to fall into the trap of believing it's the truth just out of habit. We think something, it seems real, and so we identify with it and we follow it and it creates the next iteration of our moment. And then that seems real and we get deeper and deeper and deeper into a perception moment by moment by moment, simply because we don't question it, simply because it seems so real and it seems so personal and it seems so meaningful to us. And of course it is. It's a projection of us, of our process as we're going through it. And so not having that healthy respect for the fact that your perception really does dictate your experience of reality can lead you into some troublesome places. And that is the reason that this week, our movie choice is the number 23, which came out in 2007 and stars Jim Carrey and Virginia Madsen. I picked this movie this week, Andrew, because of exactly that. The mind is very powerful. And as we develop dualistic unity as a conversation, we continue to come back to this recognition that thoughts aren't reality, that what you think is not the truth, that taking it at face value changes everything that you're interacting with. You go from interacting with the world to interacting with what very much looks like the world, but has this very thin coating over it that distorts your experience and actually makes it impossible for you to see the world. You're just seeing what's in your head. So that's why I chose this movie, because it does a great job of showing how that can be the case without you even meaning for it to be the case, without you even knowing that it's the case. So this movie is very much not just about obsession, but denial, identity. It's about trauma. It's about paranoia. There's so much in this movie. And of course, it stars Jim Carrey. And I figured since we've spent three of these movie review episodes talking about Bill Murray movies, it's time to start focusing on Jim Carrey a little bit. And I've got a few movies of his in mind, but this was the first one I wanted to cover because it is so far outside of the movies that he generally appears in. This movie's quite dark in comparison to a lot of the other things that Jim has done. And so I was very excited to watch it. I was very excited to watch it again. This movie's really well done. It's very interesting. And I'm very curious about your initial reactions, Andrew. Yeah, there, there is so I feel like I say this every week. There's so much to this movie, like so many layers. It's it's tough to feel any degree of prepared for these calls, like knowing how much depth there is and how much more I would get out of it, like the more I keep watching it. But, you know, with most people who are probably listening, it may have been the first time they they checked it out. So, you know, Ray may provide a little bit more depth, but I'm here, you know, for for my experience from it as well. And so. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I like that it, it the last couple of weeks we've gone into, we've had the spiritual psychosis community topics episode, you know, deeper into the subconscious. We had that episode a few weeks ago because it all like there's so much involved in this movie. And I think really, as we've pointed out already, the the importance of recognizing that your thoughts are not reality, your perception of reality is not reality. It's your perception of reality. And even keeping that in mind as you go, and this is just for anyone, as you go throughout your reality, keeping that in mind that as much as it may be your perception, it may feel like, oh, this is reality. It's your perception of reality. And if you can keep that in mind as you move through life, it will help a lot with getting caught up in things because, you know, leading up to this movie, uh, we had mentioned it on some Patreon calls or one um, leading up to it. And someone mentioned that it made them afraid of the number 23 for like a week. And so I kind of had that in mind. And and while I was watching it, it was funny because I watched it with my little brother and his uh, his birthday is June 23rd and mine's May 18th. So 518, 23. They actually have June 23rd in, in one of the intro scenes and we saw that and we immediately looked at each other and we were watching it at night like in the dark and everything we were like oh fuck we were getting kind of like bugged out before the movie even started and i was like if it shows may 18th next like i'm out of here but uh so keeping that in mind i think since then i don't i don't get too caught up in you know getting nightmares about movies and uh, i'll probably fucking get a nightmare tonight um jinxing myself but uh, I, I keep in mind that my perception of reality is not reality. And so since then, you know, I, I haven't really noticed any any 23s coming up. I thought that I might for the next few days after it, but I don't get so caught up in my mind as much as I used to and, and lost in those sort of tracks because, you know, I oftentimes come back to where I'm at and and am where I'm at. And so in regards to the psychosis element, I think this movie just does a great job of, of showing that power. Like as we have some fleeting thoughts maybe, and then we're like, Oh, maybe that is my reality. Oh, what if it is? And then our brain, the mechanism of our brain is to confirm all the things that we believe to be true. So then that comes in. It's like, you think that's it. All right, let's confirm it. Let's start looking around and, and noticing all of these things. And it, it finds all of these different ways because it's so powerful to bring everything back to the way we think things are or, or what we think is happening right now, which is never going to be the reality of what's happening. And so in this movie going through it, you know, noticing the number of 23, noticing the patterns, it's like, yeah, there's a lot there, but there's, there's always a lot there. If the number was 13 there probably would have been ways to notice that and it's that confirmation bias of our mind that's just so important to keep in mind that it's always trying to do that because i found it interesting that the number 32 starts coming up and it's like it's the backwards of 23 and it's like yeah but it's also you know another number too like it's not 23 yeah sure it's close and, and so i just found it interesting as as all of those things were coming up but it really shows the important i think it it has a incredibly valuable lesson for anyone watching because we oftentimes will get caught up in degrees of psychosis maybe not the extreme that uh walter experiences in this movie but certainly you know steps along that that way that path um so i think that's important to keep in mind but 
yeah, it, uh, there's a lot in here, so I'm excited to get into it. I like what you were saying there about the fact that you're surprised you haven't been seeing more 23s. And I think that's very much the reason that I liked this movie, because what they're saying isn't necessarily that the number pops up all the time or that you're going to see it just by looking for it. They're really implying that it comes from a deep seated need. It's not that you're looking for it deliberately. It's that you're looking for it as a result of needing some degree of certainty. And so you attach to that and it's all you see because you need to see it. And I find it really interesting in this movie because they're talking about the number 23. And of course, at one point, the psychologist that he goes to see about it is like, oh yeah, no, there's lots of, of literature about this, this obsession, about this fixation, you know, like the fact that uh, there's 46 chromosomes in the body, 23 from each parent, right? Or that it takes 23 seconds for blood to circulate throughout the body. So there's lots of evidence that the number 23 is out there. And then of course, you know, two divided by three is, you know, 0.666, the number of the devil. And I, and I just find it really interesting because at one point, Walter is asking about this in that conversation. And he realizes that, wow, not, it's not just me who's seen this. This has actually been popping up a number of times. And he says, is it God? And I think that's where the psychologist goes wrong in saying, well, two divided by three is 0.666. Because the alternative would be the recognition that there is synchronicity. And that is the other implication in this movie is that there is, in fact, an underlying synchronicity to everything that Walter is experiencing. It's not that he's being twisted by the number 23, but he is certainly recognizing that there is a pattern. The only problem is that he keeps giving that pattern meaning. And what I mean is that from the start of the movie, which starts on February 3rd, well, in that, he's describing to you how all of this starts to happen how he pissed off that lady from work and that resulted in him having to stay late that day which resulted in him having to go after that dog which brought him to the grave of the lady that he just happened to murder right and while all of that was happening his wife found the book that had nothing to do with him fixating on the number 23 it never appeared in any of that happening but it led him to it the book that he himself had written and that happens continuously through the movie, that there are synchronicities where you're like, that's really weird how that would just line up like that. But that stuff happens all the time. It happens all the time. Our problem is that we give it meaning, that we take it and we base it on our fear and our ego and our need to identify. And that was the other thing about Walter's character is that you'll notice all of his fixation on the number 23 was really driven by his lack of, of sense of self by his need to be loved, by the trauma that he went through, by his being rejected. So he was just looking for something to define him, to define his life. And the more he fixated on it, the more it became a prison, the more he couldn't look away, the more he couldn't stop seeing it. And this is very much OCD. I just wanted to express that very quickly. Like OCD is a doubter's disease, as, as it's been called. And it's because you just keep going back to thinking about it, thinking about it and thinking about it. And it gets so familiar that eventually you get stuck in this loop where you don't even recognize that you can't stop thinking about it. And that's where it becomes its own hell. And so that's where Walter eventually ended up where he just couldn't stop looking for 23. So he couldn't stop seeing 23, which 
meant that he couldn't stop looking for more 23, which meant that he couldn't stop seeing more 23 until eventually his only solution was to jump out the window. Yeah, the uh, that attachment to certainty is such an interesting thing that we're always trying to do in a way because we're looking for that, you said, that definition of ourselves, that that desire to know what we are. And so we and that's that's the one of the most interesting parts is it doesn't matter where on the spectrum that lies, like what perception of ourself that we have. We just want a perception of ourself. And so we'll settle upon certain things despite, you know, the suffering that they give us because of that avoidance of the uncertainty that comes with not knowing what we are, not being able to know what we are. So like we're always striving for that thing and it can it can take you down a path because of everything working against that relaxation into the uncertainty. Our brain is a mechanism for defining things, wanting to define, wanting to be certain about everything. And so, you know, Walter going through this experience, he has you know, this lack of, of certainty. And he, it's almost like he's going through his life trying to come back to an idea of himself. And it makes me wonder if, you know, with the traumatic injury that he experienced when he first tried to kill himself as, you know, he lost that sense of identity, despite it being a state of psychosis, he's, he's kind of going through his life trying to find an identity again. And so he, at the start of the movie, he's kind of lost in that and, and it expresses that. And, and so he's in that state of uncertainty, but he has a, a preference about it. Like he has an opinion about it saying like, I don't, I don't want this. And he's looking for things to attach to. And then he comes to the book and then becomes very, very obsessed with it because it gives him some meaning. You know, he he sees the person in the book as potentially him. So all of a sudden he has something. He's like, oh, this might be the thing that I can more closely define myself by. And so with that comes, you know, his, his desire for certainty about who he is starts to be satisfied in a way. And so he gets that satisfaction of that lack of uncertainty and the only way he knows where to go, it's like, okay, this is starting to satisfy it. Let's keep going. And he keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it, not recognizing that that certainty is is impossible to actually have. It's always false certainty. But we keep going on the track because we think that that's what's soothing that fear as opposed to just facing the uncertainty and being like, it's uncertain. And that's okay. So he just keeps digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's, you know, it shows when he's going through his life, he always has the book. He's always reading it, trying to find more, trying to find more certainty, like trying to confirm that it is about him, despite everything in his life kind of starting to fall apart around him. Like the reality of what's actually going on is very much coming in second to his desire for achieving that state of certainty which doesn't actually exist but you can certainly keep going down that desire for as long as you possibly can until it comes to a head and you can't take it anymore you can't handle the repercussions of everything happening around you because you're so blind to them 
That was really well said. And it got me thinking about the nature of free will and its relationship to certainty. And it got me thinking about our, our recent conversations about the non-dual philosophy or, or philosophy as a whole, right? Because the problem with finding certainty about your life, say it's God or the number 23 or any philosophy whatsoever. Now you have certainty about what life is, but the more certain it is, the less within your control or influence it is. And so you end up with this contradiction to free will. And that's exactly what ended up happening to Walter. The farther down this pit he went, the more he started to recognize that he was a victim to the number 23, that it was controlling his life. And that was actually said by the suicide blonde early in the movie, the number rules my world. So if you are already in a state where you feel disempowered, if you're already in a state where you're looking for meaning, you're seeking something to follow, and you find that certainty, that will inevitably lead you to this understanding that you have no free will, that you are a victim. And that's where that paranoia comes from, where the understanding that you have responsibility will mitigate that to a very large degree. And that's the big difference between Walter initially, the Walter that jumps out the window, and the Walter at the end of the movie, who is willing to take accountability for his choices. He stops blaming the number, and he's like, I killed someone. Not the number made me kill someone, but I killed someone. So you can see how his mentality has already changed. And that's ultimately why at the end of the movie, he doesn't jump in front of the bus. It's because at that last moment, he makes a choice. Is it my will or is it the number 23? And the bus's number was 23. So in that moment, he disempowered his own belief in that certainty and took back his free will, the ability to make a choice in his life. And that's why the movie ends on accountability. And if that isn't what life comes down to, I don't know what is like taking responsibility or foisting responsibility one or the other. How do you want to live? Do you want to foist it onto some belief, some dude sitting up in the sky, you know, everything that's happened to you in your entire life, all the other people that did all of these things to you, or do you want to be like, yeah, but I still have me. I'm still me. I still have the ability right now here and now to take responsibility for all of that. Recognize that, it's not my fault, but this is my reality here now. This is my experience. What do you want to do with it? And so we go through all of these processes, be it the number 23, and you, know, you can compare it to Sky Daddy, compare it to the idea of God getting so caught up in, you know, that's it. That's that's the thing or an idea of yourself or an enemy, a person you think wronged you like you can get obsessed about anything and it can drive your entire life or you can let go of the idea that everything has so much power over you and begin to take responsibility and i think on the other end of that is the recognition that maybe it is all you maybe you are god that's like ultimate responsibility versus believing in all of the division the idea of yourself that is being you know, pushed and pulled by everything outside of you and you have no influence here now is the other end of the spectrum. And so we kind of see, in a way, Walter go kind of oscillate 
through that spectrum a little bit. And then I think the the example you referenced at the end where, you know, the difference being in his experience at the end of the movie versus uh, Fingerling, you know, in the story, his past self, which was him, um, ends in suicide versus ends in taking responsibility or kind of the two ends of the spectrum, like getting so lost in a lack of responsibility and therefore a lack of influence and a lack of ability to do something about your life ends in suicide. And that's the extreme of identity, of ego, taking to be the truth. And then on the other end of the spectrum, despite him, you know, going to jail for a bit, experiencing consequences of his actions, he takes responsibility of them, understands that it's not about, it doesn't mean that he's going to have a super enjoyable experience necessarily, but he's freeing himself, you know, despite being physically in prison for a while, he's at least freeing himself free from the idea that he's being controlled by an external idea, something like number 23, but you can, you know, you can substitute the number 23 with any sort of thing that our mind attaches to thinking that that's the truth. And there's so many examples of that in our current reality of things. And and they play it out in this sort of dramatic theatrics with the number 23, but it's not that far from most people's experience in this reality right now. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the movie, I love the fact that he says, they're just numbers, numbers that we give meaning to. But you can see he's still looking at the clock, which is at... Uh, quarter after two or something like that. And he sees the number 23 again. So it's always there. See, it's always going to be there, but it's his accountability that keeps it at bay. It's that free will. It's that willingness to make a choice and not give up to some invisible fiction and not disempower yourself by envisioning something controlling you, right? But to take that responsibility. And so it's a great way to end the movie, but the whole movie, I'm going to switch gears here just uh, for a short bit is really interesting to me because Walter is circling around the insight. Like from the very moment he gets the book, there is a part of Walter that has now been reactivated. That was shut down for a long time, the entire life of his kid. If you think about how long he wasn't in that mentality that wrote the book or even remembered it, he developed an entirely new way of thinking, entirely new synapses. He, de he developed an entirely new person. And then all of a sudden this book, which was from a very deep core of the person he used to be, comes into his life. And I found it so interesting to watch how many times his wife asked him, how far are you through the book? And he was deliberately taking his time. He was deliberately like, oh, I'm only like a chapter in. I'm only like two chapters in. And he just gets stuck on that chapter instead of moving on. He'd stay there. And it was because he was processing the inevitability of that insight. There was a point where he was walking around in the park, reading the book, walking right by where he buried the body, right? Or he goes back to the hotel and he's like, why this hotel? Why this street? And it's because it's the hotel that he chose last time. Or he starts to read the book. He's nowhere close to the murder yet. And you see in the shadows as he's unable to sleep, a shadow of him with a knife. And so the memories are in there, but he's blocking them out. He's run from them for so long, but of course now he's delving back into the number 23. So th that old habit 
is reactivating all of those old other habits, all of those old synapses that were so hardwired. And we saw how hardwired they were so much so that he had to commit suicide. He couldn't escape them. So all of a sudden now they're back in full force and we're watching it play out throughout the movie as he gets closer and closer and closer to recognizing, oh, chapter 23 is in the room, which he knew the entire time, right? But he couldn't come to accept it. I find that progress through the movie to be incredibly interesting that he keeps circling around what he knows, but trying to put it off because it would require him to take accountability, which he finally did at the end. Wow. Yeah, that is that is not something I picked up on this time around. But I mean, that's super symbolic of just what we're all doing, circling around the recognition that we're eternally one mind here and now God experiencing itself, doing everything we can to avoid it, like going in and out of that clarity of the recognition and and actually experiencing a reality in which it allows for us to get caught up and, and lost in it. And it also is symbolic of the importance of taking your time, like, and, and allowing things to process and play out, not necessarily rushing or thinking that, you know, the recognitions you're having right now aren't deep enough or, or something like there's an importance in having that, that base and that balance with, you know, any depth of any recognitions that you have, but yeah, super interesting that he, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even realize I can picture the park scene right now where he's walking past and like, I like looking down at the book, just walking around. It's fascinating how it's always there. You know, it's always, it's always pretty obvious. It's just our willingness to look at it, our willingness to see it, our willingness to, have our eyes open to it and and look around and it just shows like how powerful we are that we can go through you know not that his brain injury and all of that were necessarily you know it's not like he chose i'm going to jump out the window and then survive and then not remember anything but we're we're able to you know have all of that experience and not remember any of it but it still be in there and then kind of create a whole new character with that still being in there and going through a process of reading something that we wrote and avoiding the reality and, and the inevitable recognition. But also it showed that it's like he did know it was there, which was interesting. Like he deep down did know, like the essence of him knew it. And so without like him consciously knowing it, he was taking his time for a reason. But it's not like he could say, like, why are you taking your time with this? Oh, yeah, I'm taking my time. But there was like a very specific reason that he was, but not one that he could possibly express while he was doing it. That's that cognitive dissonance. It would have been the discomfort of recognizing that you could do that, which is why his wife is just like, it couldn't possibly be you. Fingerling couldn't possibly be you because of who she knew him to be, right? Or rather who she assumed him to be. But yeah, it's really interesting. I definitely did catch that this time around that he actually knows where the body is deep down, that he's spending time with her while he's coming back to the recognition of what he's done. 
I find that really interesting. But to expand that a little bit, I find it also very interesting because we're always talking about how we are reality. And I think that's very much the case for Walter as well. And in that, I'm talking about the role of Ned, the nasty evil dog that is the guardian of the underworld or the guardian of the dead. Just the fact that Ned consistently showed up at points that led Walter farther down the path. Right? Like there was a point where he was finally coming to terms with the book or the nature of the book. And then he looks out the window and he sees Ned and Ned literally leads him to the grave where he has a conversation with somebody about the fact that there's nobody in the grave, that the body was never found. And that leads him to go to the library and find evidence of somebody who was wrongly accused for this one person he just knows has to do with this book. See how it gets him closer and closer to finally making that choice of accountability. And so I find it actually really funny if you think about it, that while he perceived the number 23 to be a curse, the fact is it was the events of following the number 23 that led him to the decision to abandon the number 23. So the entire time reality was actually helping him process everything that he was avoiding internally and externally through Ned and everybody else he met during that journey. Yeah, and that just goes to show how we try and put our finger on what's happening and what it means about us and where it's going and what what's going on and and where we're headed and we try and have this, you know, idea of I want to be here and in five years and totally discount the reality of being reality and, and not having any idea about what anything means. And even, you know, this perception that what I'm going through isn't correct, being you know, correct in quotes, the most correct thing you could be going through right now. And so even through all of those experiences, he was being led to a state in which he could finally take responsibility and accept the reality of who he was and move on because as much as he had it seemed like he had you know moved on all that stuff was still very much in there like kind of causing him probably discomfort and suffering just being so pitted deep down and in the depths of his subconscious that all of the suffering he went through through the movie you know getting caught in the state of psychosis was allowing him to get to a place in which he could let all of those things go. And looking at it, you would think like, oh, you know, going through psychosis is an objectively awful thing. But which, you know, in the experience of it, yeah, it's super uncomfortable and whatnot. But then it leads to a place in which he's actually able to be more free in himself than he ever possibly could have been if he didn't go through all of those experiences. And so I think all of, you know, the whole thing was just a fantastic example of letting go of your opinion of what you're going through. And it makes me wonder if he had, you know, I'm just wondering now, like if he hadn't gone through all of that psychosis, like if he would have been able to get to a place where he was able to uncover all that stuff and then accept it, like, could that have even been possible without all the, crazy suffering you went through and you know the the nightmares of killing his wife and hallucinations and all of that like could it have even been possible or was it you know a, a reflection of the depths of the shit that he did that it was like balancing out you're going through all of this shit now in order to be able to uncover that and it's like perfectly balanced for all the fucked up shit he did before balancing out the fucked up shit he has to go through now and it's like it's that perfect 
balance, that perfect, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum in order to allow them to uncover it. And that's kind of like the idea of karma that people talk about, not the one that we get lost in, you know, the conceptual, but the reality of what karma actually is that allows us to free ourselves. But it's like there was a there was a payment that he had to go through almost. An unraveling. Right. Absolutely. And that's what we're often talking about in terms of like the body storing trauma or the body storing memories. Things have to play themselves out and it's not always pleasant. And so we go through this experience and just like Walter, whose problem consistently was simply that he kept giving meaning to everything that was happening. That was Walter's problem. And so when we go through bits of psychosis when we are going through the process of believing our thoughts because we're unwinding something possibly from the past if we're not of course digging deeper into it which may be another way of unwinding it because sometimes just like a muscle knot you got to dig into it before it goes away right so sometimes that's the same is true for trauma um so that's the thing is just not giving it meaning because had he not given it meaning had he allowed it to all play out instead of assuming the worst about himself just because this was his past recognizing right but i'm taking accountability i'm circling back to this all of this is actually me healing he could have had a totally different experience of what the number 23 was helping him process which is which was his previous fixation or his previous obsession with that number but it's only through recognizing it that you can process it so I thought that was really, really interesting to watch that that was what his problem was, that he kept assigning meaning to everything that happened in regards to what it meant about him. And that's why I still find that moment in the office with the psychologist to be so incredibly profound, where he looks at the, the stained glass, he's like, is it God? And the other said, well, it could be the devil. It really depends on what meaning you give it. But if you don't give it any meaning, it's just you processing which is the healthy perspective to show yourself understanding, to allow yourself to process, to not think it means anything about you, to not think that it makes you a worse person because you're going through this stuff or because you feel this stuff or because you had to hide some of this stuff in order to deal with it in a healthy way later. Trauma's like that. It doesn't mean anything about you. That's the point. And that's really the spectrum right there. Do you give everything meaning? Or you, do you give nothing inherent meaning? That's it. Like, And that's desire for certainty and false certainty versus the reality of uncertainty. And so nothing having meaning besides what you give it is the reality of things. But if you think the meaning that you give it is the meaning of it, in this super fucking limited perception, your ability to to perceive reality through our you know, vision and hearing that are super limited on all of those spectrums. As we settle upon things, it cuts us off from the reality of what's actually happening. And then it, it distorts our viewpoint and gets us lost. And then our brain is in there trying to confirm that everything we think has meaning has that meaning. So it's noticing things that confirm the meaning that we think it, it gives, but that's really what everything comes down to. And, and even just thinking about, People getting caught up and concerned for what other people think of them. I know some people who who care a lot still about what other people think of them. And I used to a ton. And so everything that happened, you thought had to have meaning about you. Everything someone said, you're interacting with someone and they make a weird, weird gesture. They look at someone else funny and you're like, what does that mean about about me? 
what is that? that must mean something about me and versus now when i'm in those situations like i don't know what the fuck that means i don't know i don't know. maybe they have a, a tick or a, a knot in their neck like who fucking knows i have no fucking idea and that's what it comes down to that's freedom is that uncertainty in just reminding yourself at all times i don't know versus being in that prison of trying to derive meaning from everything that happens all the time you're lost in that state of psychosis well said i have nothing further to add i think we've done an excellent job of exploring this fantastic movie and i just want to take a quick moment to say that jim carrey's acting in this movie is really phenomenal he's very believable i think in choosing this movie and it being so very different from the rest of his movies, I think that he had a specific purpose in terms of exploring his own character, exploring his own mind. I think that there was something meaningful about this script to him. And I think that that really reflects in his performance throughout this movie, because it's really good. And listener, if you haven't checked it out, definitely go and do so regardless of the spoilers in this review it's still an enjoyable movie i look forward to watching it again and catching even more symbolism because there is a lot in this movie it's it's really enjoyable to watch and it's rather profound far more profound than i thought it would be when i first heard it was coming out i just thought it would be a thriller i didn't realize there was so much in it in terms of the subconscious denial, paranoia, disempowerment. There's so much identity, the ability to forget things in order to heal from them over time. Like there's there's just so many conversation pieces in this movie. So even if you've enjoyed it, recommend it to a friend. Talk about it on our Discord. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And thank you so much for joining us. This has been a genuine pleasure. Bye everyone.